Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajara Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Found out the night uh, or the day before that I, you know, I'm not going to go. Then I was thinking as as optimistic as could be. I was like, man, it was a false positive. Then it ended up being, you know, true. Then you go through it and and games get rescheduled and you know you're just you know sit to wonder you can't work out you can't do anything and obviously me being who I am it's not like you could just take this time to you know go vacation somewhere you know so you know through it all man I, 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 I it, it has been weird it has been an adjustment to your routine are we guessing this one again yeah my gosh this game's getting harder and harder I feel like that might is that an NBA guy no no it's a Jaguar no? no, dang! Ah, I wasn't a jaguar. What sport, Coos? Football. Uh, it's not Russell Wilson talking, is it? Nope. Somebody who had a false positive. Um, Somebody, well, not false positive. Oh, he had COVID. He actually tested positive, right? Was that Stephon so. Gilmore? What was that? Stephon Gilmore. No, that was Cam Newton. Cam Newton. I was getting uh, there, dang it. I mean, give me one more guess, Coos, and I was going to get there. Uh, I was on the Patriots. Uh, Why would I guess Stephon Gilmore, not Cam Newton? I mean, what am I, a moron? Uh, how many guesses did you get? Uh, well, I did, how many times are we going to do this in a show? <laughs> I mean, we obviously aren't very good at it. Makes a lucky number two right there, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Brent Martin at Stream Song Resort. Uh, Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios with Coos as well. Jason Fitz going to join us in just a couple moments. Hey, uh, we're going to ask Jason this, too, but I, I don't – it's a weird thing, man. When you're in Jacksonville and you've and this football team has lost as much as lost, like, I don't want to sit there and say, like, you take pleasure in other people losing. Yeah. Like, that's not really it, but it's it's at least, like – I don't know if it's comforting to know what happens in other places, too. Yeah. Uh, and you start comparing yourself with the bottom feeders. Like, you're supposed to compare yourself to the best. Like, whether it's Seattle, New England, Kansas City right now, you're supposed to be comparing yourself with the best. That's who you're supposed to be competing with. Meanwhile, we spent all offseason saying, listen, we don't think the Jags are the worst team. There's Washington, and there's the Jets. And, well, here we there's are again. There's still the Jets. Yeah, there's still the Jets. There's Washington. There's the Jaguars. Yeah. And maybe there's the Cowboys. It's, it's almost like we've slid into this weird deal where it, we just – we're just joined in a different club, uh, and it's it's certainly not the elite you're of not, the NFL. You're not lying, Brent. <laughs> Misery loves company. Only thing getting me through this season right now is looking at Jets Twitter, seeing what they're saying. But now there's listen, there's optimism though at Jets Twitter because they're all listen. They're taking for you know Trevor. Like they're excited to get Trevor Lawrence because they are by far the worst team in the NFL. The only thing that I ask of of Jets media is when if they do somehow win a game, that the title's going to read "You are not cleared for takeoff. Keep losing." <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, here's the other part of it. There are some franchises that have turned it around. The Rams in recent years to a degree. The Titans, of course, the last couple of seasons. The Buffalo Bills, and even this guy's Las Vegas Raiders. They might be pretty good. Let's bring in Jason Fitz from ESPN Spain and Fitz. On ESPN Radio all across the country. What's up, man? Man, I'm living the dream. And by the way, you are, you're not wrong about everything you just said. But the one thing I will say is this, and I keep reminding Jets fans of it. I don't care if you got Jesus behind center. That team's still going to sink. <laughs> so, like, I, I, it, there's, there's some level of 
understand what you're up against and what's to blame for the problem. And I don't think it's as simple for the Jets as just a quarterback. So, you know, if I'm the Jets, I'm shopping that for a bounty to try and get some opportunity to rebuild my entire roster because all you're going to do is get Trevor Lawrence killed and then he's still not going to have great success in my mind. Wow, that's an interesting thought. Trade it away and not get Trevor Lawrence. Well, if the Jets are sitting at number two, we might hope they do that. Fitz, you're interesting because you have watched the, the Raiders for a long time. And obviously they've gone through, you know, at one time they've, they've been good, you know, they had some success. But they've been down like the Jags have been down. And I, I, now what I'm starting to look at is I'm starting to look at some of these teams that have turned it around a little bit. And I'm trying to find if there's anything in common. Like, how will Jacksonville get out of this? Right now they can't get out of it. They're not going to get out of it in 2020, but it looks like the Dolphins might even be turning a bit, the Bills have turned it, uh, and your Raiders have turned it. Do you know why they have or how they have? Because let's be honest, man, they're not in love with their quarterback situation. No, I think that honestly, and this is never an easy answer for a lot of people, but when you look at the way that you turn a franchise around right now, I'll add San Francisco to the list of franchises that have turned it around. I think it comes down to finding one person that you trust and giving them a very long-term deal. Because I don't think any other coach would have acted the way that uh, John Gruden did or, you know, even the way that uh, Shanahan and Lynch acted in San Francisco without knowing that they were locked into a very long deal. You got time to to rip it down to its studs, and it's no different than than flipping a house. I mean, if you flip a house and you have a limited budget and a limited amount of time, you're going to do shoddy work. If you flip a house and you have all the time and all the money you possibly need, that flip has a much better chance of being successful. Now, you still might not be very good at construction, but at least you got a shot that way. And I think that's the big difference, you know. And you can look at organizations like the Browns that are still trying to figure out, like, hey, how do we turn this into something that makes us a bona fide, legit, continual contender? Well, I think the way that you do that is you bring in somebody that you're willing to give the reins to in today's society for six years, and you say, hey, no matter what, you're getting paid, and I'm keeping all hands off, and you're going to build this thing in your likeness, in your image, and I will trust you. That's a big that's a big leap for everybody that's had relationship issues, which when your team thinks you have, but that's, I think, the only way that it gets better. Jason, when you talk about committing to somebody, obviously the Dallas Cowboys have committed to Mike McCarthy. And you kind of heard the story of the offseason. He was one of the big hires because he was preaching the analytics and him kind of changing his ways a little bit. Well, now the Dallas Cowboys, they're still atop of the, of the competitive NFC East with a 2-4 and four record. But let's be honest. We, we watched the Dallas Cowboys. It's a dumpster fire right now. They lose Dak Prescott. And now players are starting to speak out uh, via Mike McCarthy saying that he's losing the locker room. These coaches can't coach and things like that. I guess my question to you is, when you have a guy like Mike McCarthy where it kind of went wrong at the end in Green Bay, and he comes back and supposedly reinvents himself with analytics and and saying all the right things, do you buy into that or at the end of the day, are coaches who they are and there's really no changing them? I think the coaches can reinvent themselves, but it also takes a lot. I don't think it's really a common thing. And I'll use again, like I think Gruden has changed the way he approaches uh, building a team at this point. He used to be all veterans. Now he seems to like young guys where he can be sort of a video game coach, right? But, you know, I I think it takes a big step for a coach to do that. Uh, The problem is, and to go back to the point I made before, like I'm telling you that, hey, what you need is longevity and continuity. What do you do if you hire poorly? Like what do you do if your ownership is bad at hiring bosses? And that's a problem that isn't really fixable. And, And to me, you know, and Austin, you know this better than anybody, but a beat writer buddy of mine years ago told me, you know when a season's over, when everybody starts protecting their own. What, like when yeah. you come into a locker room and somebody starts blaming the other players or the coaches, 
that means they're all trying to save their own income at that point. And that's what that statement says. Like, I'm putting a fork in the Cowboys, not because I don't think they can turn it around. They have too much talent to give up on. But when people start speaking out like that against the coaches, it tells you everybody's in save-your-butt mode. That's not the way you win football games. So, you know, I think that's a, it's a terrible statement for Dallas. And it's a sign that, you know, Jerry Jones is – this is the most ho- hopeless moment you can have as a fan is when you realize that your owner's just not very good at picking the right people to hire because that's not fixable. Oh, boy, you just got Jacksonville fans' attention right there. I mean, in a big-time way. And I, 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 I'm not even kidding, really. I mean, I'm fascinated by this thought. I, I really, Listen, I, I've been searching for this for a while. I should have just brought you on earlier and asked you the damn question. But uh, I really like what you're saying because look at what Carolina's doing. Now, I don't know if it's going to work, and I'm not even talking about their – three and three record which is actually pretty impressive given McCaffrey's been out but they committed to Matt Rule for like a a seven or eight year deal that's a long deal they bought into him said hey you're a guy obviously what you're referring to is John Gruden in that 10-year contract that they bought into what's interesting here Jason is Shad Khan the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars has actually bought into the GM here, Dave Caldwell, for now eight years. So he gave him a lot of time, but you didn't know. We talked about this yesterday on the show. We didn't really know who was running things at times. The only time we've really known over the last seven, eight years who's actually pushing all the buttons was when Tom Coughlin came in in 17, and we knew it was his. And so I think that's an interesting way to describe it, is you have to buy into that person, but then let them do their thing. The problem with Jacksonville is they've bought into Gus Bradley for four years, now Doug Marone for four years, and and Dave Caldwell for eight years. But I'm not sure they let any one of those particular people do their thing for an extended period of time. Well, and I think that you're right. And there's also a spot of it where I'm talking, too. You know, when you look at Lynch and and, uh, Shanahan in San Francisco, at the time everybody freaked out. Lynch had never been a GM. And the fact that he was given a six-year deal up front, people were like, oh, my God. How could you give this money to somebody that has no proven track record? Well, the one thing you've got to understand is when you're handed a six-year deal up front, you know, and to Matt Rule's point of, of getting a long-term deal up front, it allows you to say, okay, now, I, like, I know they're not going to fire me. Like, coaching contracts are fully guaranteed, so uh, unlike players. So, all right, I know I'm going to have my job. Now I can actually do what I need to do. And I, I think that's a, also a big difference. Like, just because you have Caldwell there for a long time doesn't mean that Caldwell uh, – Caldwell, has acted at every spot like he knew that he was unfireable. And I, I do think that there's some level of, of that necessity for the right mind because, let's face it, you're not getting somebody amazing in, unless you give them some level of autonomy. So, like, if, if everybody wants to look around and say, oh, Eric Bieniemy is going to be the next great coach in the NFL. Well, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm not going anywhere for less than obscene money on a six-year deal because that's what – new coaching standards can allow, and that will allow me to turn around and actually rebuild the team. And without that, you're just you're, – everybody's coaching like, you know, they've got to win this year. And I understand that the league is so up and down that you can make the argument, hey, well, why not us? Well, the reality of it is there are a lot of rosters. And this is, you know, the, the thing that I've said before is that you look at your favorite team and look up and down at their roster and ask yourself, how many of these players today would be starting on Kansas City? And if the answer isn't enough, then you know that you've got a roster problem. So how do you fix that? To, to fix that, you're going to have to start ripping it apart and acquiring players. And to do that, you're going to have to have a better person in the building making those acquisitions. So, like, you start breaking it down like that, from take all your emotion out of it and just look at it on paper logically, I think it actually 
plays out in a way that makes a lot more sense than most fans uh, realize. Well, and it's not a bad point, too, because we talk about longevity of head coaches. I mean, look at Matt Rule right now in Carolina. Carolina was nobody's dream job, I feel like, to go to. And Matt Rule could have went to New York where he spent some time there, but he chose to go north uh, to, to Carolina. Why? Because they offered him that long-term deal. Sometimes it's not about what the money you know is. It's about what the money says. And the Carolina Panthers said, we want to pay you this much money for this long because we value that much. So with that being said, Jay, and obviously there's going to be a lot of coaching changes this up-and-coming season, probably still, and then going into the next year, maybe in Jacksonville as well. Do you think the next steps of, of getting that coach would be looking in the college ranks, or would you like to see like an offensive corner like Biennemi or uh, maybe like a McDaniels? Like, Where do you think that the coaches, the next cop, are going to pop up, college or well, coordinators in the NFL? I think you know it depends on, on how the draft goes, and I know that sounds crazy, but for Jacksonville, if you're picking second in the draft, uh, realistically, most of the people I've talked to in Bristol believe that Justin Fields, by the time it's all said and done, is going to push Trevor Lawrence for the first pick in the draft. That's how good he is. So wow. if the belief is that there's a need for a quarterback, Justin Fields is going to be there at two. And the belief around Bristol is that he can be an epic franchise quarterback. So now you know you got your quarterback. The one thing that I'm going to bring in is I'm going to bring in somebody I know knows how to get the most out of Justin Fields' type quarterback. So you want everybody on the same page from the get-go. But, yes, I would absolutely look – like, this is where the conversation comes down to, like, Eric Bieniemy that's so hot, but also Arthur Smith that all of a sudden is getting a lot of love, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator for the Titans. I don't think Arthur Smith is a great pick for a team that's going to take Justin Fields if they're going to spread out because that's not the way he runs his system, right? So, you know, I, I think there has to be a little bit of acknowledgement of that. If I can find a college coach right now, though, more than ever, if I can find a college coach that really buys into the NFL level of play – I'm going to go with the college coach a lot of times because when you rebuild, you're rebuilding with a young roster. So you need somebody that knows how to get the most out of a young roster. And I think college coaches are a little bit more sort of creative in that aspect. So that's why I was, I was stunned guys that Cincinnati didn't go to Joe Brady and offer him a blank check to come over and be the offensive coordinator for Joe Burrow. Like, Hey, you Mm -hmm. just did this at LSU. Come do it here. Like sometimes I think the NFL makes things too complicated, you know? So uh, if I'm if I'm the Jags, I'm sitting down as an organization when when the draft order's out, and I'm saying, okay, who do we love? How do we want our identity to look, and who can bring us that identity? Absolutely, Jason Fitz with us from ESPN Radio Spain and Fitz uh, nightly seven to nine p.m. joins us on Tuesdays here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. I don't know if you have to run, so we'll let you run. But I've got a little game today, and it's really about ten seconds. I saw Trey Wingo today. Where do you think I saw Trey Wingo? On a golf course somewhere, my God! I mean, I, I, like I think Wingo owns a golf course at this point, right? Like he's a, in my mind, Trey's got a private chopper that takes him to a golf course, sets him down. He plays. And by the way, the one time I've ever watched Trey Wingo play golf, he lined up and everybody else was standing quietly, letting him take that first shot. He took that first shot off the tee. I'm not much of a golfer, guys, but it didn't make that ping sound that everybody likes. It made more of a <laughs> sound. And he just looked at everybody and said. Breakfast ball and threw another ball down and hit. So, like you know, I'm, I'm imagining you saw him, like, with some sort of a, a beverage in one hand and uh, enjoying a little bit of golf. Uh, he was well, enjoying some golf here at Stream Song Drink, Resort. Drink, okay, okay, well, one last question there, please. Sure you can. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe Fitz has to go. This isn't even a game. This is more of just me being a fan asking you a question. So, let's see. 
Barbara Walters, Richard Pryor, Oprah Winfrey, Lady Gaga uh, as best interviews of all time. And now we have you and Field Yates interviewing John Wall while he's playing Spades. I mean, get the get that TV Emmy ready right now. My question to you is, how fun was that interview, number one? And what's the craziest interview that you've ever conducted, number two? Okay, so I'm going to, like, we're, we're talking to friends here, so I'm just going to confess something to you guys. You ready for this? Like, this is, this is a peek behind the curtain. Nobody knows this in, in, in the country yet. And you're right, the John Wall interview has gone viral. I can't believe it. Yep. Uh, even Barstool's out there tweeting me that, you know, I, I let my manhood go by not calling him out for it. Well, <laughs> you know, for anyone that's ever done TV, you, you usually have a monitor in front of you that shows you who you're talking to. We pre-taped the John Wall interview right before we went to air because of the timing that we had to have. So Field and I had it, and they couldn't get my monitor to work. So my look of confusion midway through where everybody thinks that I was confused about, like, letting him play spades was actually because I heard something, and I couldn't figure out what the hell he was doing. So I'm standing there, and I'm looking at Field, and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, if I had seen him playing spades, I, like, I, I used to play spades for money. Like, I'm all in of on course. talking some spades with, with John Wall. But, no, I didn't see it. So now I'm looking at it. I see Barstool out there saying, like, how would you not call him out? Well, I didn't know. Like, <laughs> mom, they didn't show me. So then we're watching this. Like, the, those things then get put in the show, right? So we throw to it. It looks live. It's like, you know, they're like, in my ears, they're like, you got four minutes till we're back live. And uh, on the live broadcast right afterwards, I reacted and said, should have asked him what he was playing. Because the first time I saw he was playing spades was when it was live on air. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> so so that, that is a true, true story right there. Like, that, that was my, my shining John Wall. It's gone viral. Everybody yeah. thinks that I just sat there and let him play spades. I had no idea. Hey, whatever, whatever it takes to go viral this day and age, I guess, is not a bad thing. You might win an Emmy for that and a Grammy, by the way, for your Cheez-It song. Very good. Oh, you know what? I, I, there's more. Let me just give you a little hint. There's more Cheez-It song coming. There's another Cheez-It song. And there may or may not be, this is, again, I'm giving you guys top secret details. There may or may not be full Cheez-It videos coming that involve me, a wig, and some very tight pants. So I'm just cruise. saying. Things tell, are getting weird in Bristol. That's tell our social media department right now to start breaking all these headlines because we got a bunch for today. <laughs> Send us a box uh, and, of cheeses. I've got beef with you guys though. Like we got we got beef on something. So you know the couple of times you know I don't know how Austin gets it done, but every time Austin tweets Ted Allen uh, anything about one of our food cakes, he always responds to Austin, but he doesn't <laughs> respond to me. And I've done the trickle thing, like the like a tweet here or there. I'm trying to get the follow so that I can slip into his DMs and then we can become besties. And it's not happening with Ted Allen. So, Austin, whatever your magic is, if you could just make it happen, or just threaten him, you're big. Like, if you could just make this happen, I'd appreciate it. Jason, I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's definitely not me. I've actually worked a charity with Ted Allen before. He's a great guy, but that's more Brent Martineau, I think. He sees Brent Martineau's followers. He's in the 20Ks. I only got like 10K. And Anytime a celebrity sees more followers, they're going to gravitate towards him more. So talk to Brett Martineau about that one. Oh, Brett, what are you doing? Like, you're it, just hey, leaving me out to dry. I want to be on top. It is my mission to somehow connect you guys at some point or another and get you on chopped. I, I make hope. it happen or I'll start threatening people and I'll start banging down doors till we get it done. Cheez-Its to chop. Yeah, I mean, Jason. <laughs>
We're going to go full 80s wrestling, and in this analogy, Austin is wearing, the like, the 80s wrestling shorts and, like, a cape that probably doesn't fit, and I've got, like, the megaphone. I'm full Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart, and I'm the hype man, and we're going to do this to Ted Allen's door until he lets us be on chop. Let's get it. Give him uh, no choice, Jason. Give him no choice. You guys would be one heck of a duo. I hope it happens. Jason Fitz, thanks for hanging out with us, man. It was a lot of fun. You're the best, guys. Have a great week. All right, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz, 7 and 9. Check him out all across the country. we got to get that to happen now. I respect Come it, on, man. Ted. Just as long as he doesn't bring me with him on that show, because I would choke so You want to talk about would the you? Jaguars? Are you kidding me? You ever watch that show? So much pressure. I would there, make toast and, like, burn it, and that would be it. There Game have been over. times in my career where I'm like, ah, oh, man, I, this person absolutely loves this or this. It would be so cool to connect them, you know, or yeah. whatever, and make it happen. Like, you wish you had a little more pull here or there. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to work on this Ted Allen chop stuff. Yeah. I just feel like at least I'd have a friend for life and fits and, and you if I could pull it off. I mean, uh, careful with that friend for life with me right now. Like, yeah, that's you, true. you aren't there yet. You keep running your mouth like you did yesterday, and we'll see where you get to. Uh, it's socially distancing and this <laughs> relative friendship. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, we will talk a little bit more about the blame game. I thought Jason Fitz was fantastic in there. Uh, but who else is to blame, and who can you target right away to maybe fix it sooner than later in Jacksonville? Plus the QB report card. It's a Tuesday. We do it every Tuesday, and we'll do it coming up on ESPN 6 now. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. <laughs> You're going to have a call from PR in a little bit here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. No, I mean, there, there's things that I could do better. And uh, I know that. It's, it's uh, one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm always going to be my worst critic. And uh, I'm going to go watch this film, see, see what I can do. Uh, to help this team and you know that's the, at the end of the day everybody's got to do that same thing we got to look at ourselves and say what can I do that can uh, make me a better player that's going to help us win these games and give, give us a chance I know I know I know who it is Joe Schobert no Brent, <laughs> Brent yeah it was Brent Martino. no it wasn't no, was it? It, was, it wasn't Joe Schobert that was a quarterback I'm going to say Oh, my gosh, Dalton? that sounded just like Joe Schobert. Andy Dalton? That's Andy Dalton. Yes, let's go. Could, did you cheat? No, swear. You, you've got a re- you've got a reputation. Of winning. Of cheating. Of winning. It's about Man, it. That was Andy Dalton. That must have been an Ohio thing. I, I thought oh. for sure that was Joe Schobert. Like, I stopped listening. I was like, oh, okay, this is Joe Schobert. He's playing Joe. <laughs> Missed it by that much. An, an Ohio thing. Well, yeah, because Andy Dalton was in Ohio. Joe Schobert was in Ohio, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Oh, I got you. Okay. They must sound the same. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Hey, I've got a thought on on that, actually. Is there um, – I thought this was with Puzlozny a little bit. And I thought this was I – don't, I don't know what it is. I, I'm really not disrespecting Joe Schobert and, and Puz over the years either. But he played for a losing organization in Buffalo. And he came here, and, well, quite frankly, all they did was lose until his final year. Yeah. And there's a part of it. You go get Joe Schobert in free agency, but really they've been bad, you know? Like, he's, he's – I'm not saying he's a bad player. really had probably his best game Sunday. But when you're trying to fix culture and winning and all this stuff, do you think that matters? Like, if you go get people – and this might even be from a GM, head coach, and everything else position. And usually, by the way, the folks that are winning are up for those jobs. But if you go get people from Kansas City, Seattle – 
New England, whether it's players or other folks, does that make a difference than if you go get people from, uh, you know, uh, Cleveland and obviously now Jacksonville, but the Washington, say? Uh, do you think it makes an impact of people who don't really know how what winning looks like in the NFL? I mean, yes, but also no, right? Because if we look at the Jaguar situation, um, you bring in a guy like Aaron Ross who won a Super Bowl in New York. Well, we saw how that t- turned out, right? Yeah, good point. When you bring in a guy like Julius Thomas, who I think won a Super Bowl in Denver, well, you saw that turned out. Okay, but I got when you bring a guy. Okay, when when you bring a guy like was was it Chris Clemens? His name was from Seattle. Yes. When you bring a guy like Chris Clemens, who is used to a lot of winning, and you bring him to Jacksonville, how did that turn out? Yeah. Well, here's the thing I would say about those examples you gave me. I think uh, Aaron Ross turns out to be bad guy jerk for his comments especially and probably didn't buy in and was here for the paycheck as he said i think chris clemens quite frankly is not like team guy like i want to go hey let's build around chris clemens he's going to change our culture like just my experience with chris clemens that's that was my take and julius thomas just didn't seem to have that kind of role even in denver and he obviously was maybe just here for a big paycheck, too, because he really didn't do anything. Uh, I don't know enough from that point of view. I guess what I'm, I'm saying a little bit more, Austin, like when they did go get Malik and Calais, those like Calais won a little bit, right? He didn't really. Bit, yeah. It's not like he won big. But Malik had. Like, that was a big story. Malik had a ring. You know, Malik knew what it took to win. And guys respected the heck out of that. They respected the heck that out of Malik Jackson winning a ring. With Denver and make it a big play, by the way, to do it. Uh, I I just wonder. I'm not saying Joe Schobert's not respected. I'm not saying he's not a good football player. I'm I'm not saying Puz wasn't either. We got a lot of great years out of Puzlozny, and and I think he's really good. But I just wonder when you're when you're asking those guys to come in, hmm. those those that that quarterback of the defense, captains to come in, and they don't know what winning looks like. Yeah. Is, does that play a role? I mean, no. you have to be careful of that. No, I, I honestly, I don't really think so that much just because, I mean, you, you can say one thing, the guys that have come to Jacksonville, you know, from winning franchises and not had a lot of success. And then we can also flip it the other way and say, well, who are the guys that left Jacksonville that didn't have a lot of success in Jacksonville that have now had a lot of success in other teams and, you know, and obviously been leaders in that team? I think Allen Robinson would be a, considered a leader in Chicago. Um I know there's a bunch of them. I mean, I think Yannick Ngakwe would be considered a leader right now in Minnesota. I think Jalen Ramsey, obviously, is a leader um, in L.A. So I think there's, I mean, you, you can go back and forth with it. Now, yeah, does it does it make a difference? I'm sure it does a little bit. But, like, when you're building a team, and, and I get it. Like, if you go to a Super Bowl and you win one, that means something. Like, that carries a lot of weight around this league. Um, I remember when Aaron Ross came to the team. I mean, like one of the very first meetings we had was Aaron Ross talking about what it took for the New York Giants to win a Super Bowl. So I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything because it definitely does. But I think coming from winning cultures and things like that, like every culture in the NFL is different, right? Because coaches have different personalities, GMs are different, all that stuff. So while I think it could mean something, I don't buy wholeheartedly that it makes the difference. Just because there's so many examples where Jaguars have gone from different to different teams and had success. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I, I look at that locker room right now, and I understand there are a lot of young players in the locker room. But if I look at some of the veterans in the locker room, and I see Avery Jones, who experienced 2017 and saw what bad was and then saw what good was, and now is kind of seeing what bad is again. Uh, if you look at... Uh, 
uh, Josh Allen, he doesn't know what it is. Right? He doesn't know what it takes to win in the NFL. I mean, I, I love Josh Allen, but he's never seen it. Right? Um, he's got good references from Calais, and, and I'm, he knows how to be a pro and a good player, but he doesn't know what winning looks like in the NFL. Uh, Jared Wilson, not really. Uh, Josh Jones, not really. Joe Schobert, not really. Miles Jack did in 17. He was a young pup at the time. Did he actually know what it took? I don't know, but it's fair to say that that's one. Uh, Tyler Eifert, hardly has won in his career. Uh, well, you got Chris Conley, won a little bit, but he, Josh Jones has won some in Green Bay. He won a little bit in Green Bay. Uh, Chris Conley, uh, I would say, Kind of got out before they won big, but he probably he saw it. He saw it develop. Mm. So, you know, Norwell came over on a big money deal, but he didn't know what winning was. He came from Carolina. Or did he actually play in that Super Bowl? Would he have played in that Super Bowl? No, I don't think he did. Uh, so, I don't know, man. I, I guess I, I just don't know if there's enough of the guys that know what it takes to flip it around and win. Uh, we talk about how young the team is, but it, you have to have the right mix of veterans, too. So I'm, I'm not going crazy with this thought. It just, to me, it was interesting uh, because I thought that soundbite was Joe Schobert. Yeah. And Schobert comes over on the big money deal from the Browns, who obviously don't come from a winning culture. They're trying to flip it as well up there. And Puzz is very much like that in Jacksonville. And let's be honest, Puzz couldn't win in Jacksonville until finally in 2017. He was here for a long time before they finally won. So, and, and not one guy is going to change it. You know, you know, an interesting dynamic in this conversation is Nick Foles, mm. right? Because Foles came over, they brought him in, and he kind of did know what it yeah. took. And now he's taking that to Chicago, and if we're being honest with ourselves, well, they're winning football games. I wouldn't say he's playing great football. I'm not saying, man, I wish they kept Nick Foles because he would be the answer right now. I don't even think that's the case. Uh, I, I think Chicago might still rather have Gardner Minshew than Nick Foles. <laughs> I don't know. But I think they've bought into that leadership that everybody got so ticked off about last year. And I think he does know how to do it. He's been through the battles, and he's, well, he's obviously done it at the highest of levels. So I guess Foles would have been an interesting one. They brought him in at that prime position, the guy that had done it and knew how to do it. He'd been through the bad, been through the good. He's probably the best example of bringing in a guy that knew how to do it and, well, he never really played much, so he couldn't really impact the football. Well, and to be fair to Andrew Norwell, he did play uh, with that Super Bowl team because he, he was drafted back in 2014. The Panthers go to the Super Bowl in 2015. Okay. So he okay. was part of that team. That's good. Uh, yeah. So there's another one. Yeah. Um, it's uh, just an interesting thought. You know, I mean, we're here on <laughs> – we're just trying to find answers, you know? Yeah. It's like when it gets to this point, it's like what's going to change it? What's going to fix it? We can pound our head against the wall every single week, and we, and we will, and we'll talk about the quarterback and the defense and the offensive line and, and James Robinson and DJ Chark and the coaching staff. But there's more to it than that, and that's what we're seeing with these other teams. There's more to it. Like – I don't know of a guy, I don't know if I've seen it as crystal clear as I've seen it with the Tennessee Titans, if I'm being honest. I mean, Mike Vrabel, the difference he's made in that football team, in that football franchise, to me, is just astounding. It it jumps right out at you. You know, you would say, because you played for Andy Reid in Kansas City, Mm -hmm. so you would say Andy Reid did that as well. Yeah. Um, But see, Andy Reid, to me, was always a good coach. Andy Reid won a lot of football games in Philly. The knock against Andy Reid was he couldn't win the big one Mm -hmm. until they finally did. So to see him win games in Kansas City doesn't surprise me. And I always go back. I remember those conversations at the time. It's like, hey, they got a better football team than two and 14. They had the six pro bowlers. You know, then they bring over Alex Smith and those things start to click. And so you give Reid a lot of credit. 
and, and maybe it is him that got him to the Super Bowl as much as Mahomes. But I just don't know if I've seen an organization pivot as much as I've seen the Tennessee Titans pivot and go back and say, wow, man, that is Vrabel. Like, you can see their toughness. You can see everything about that guy because we watched him play for so long in New England. And I just think it epitomizes, their, their team epitomizes him right now. And he's a winner. And, yeah. and he stuck to it, what he wanted to do. And, and he waited it out. And he made some tough decisions. And by the way, they made some tough decisions. They went to Vrabel when they had Mike Malarkey actually winning football games in Nashville. So, I mean, I hate to do it, but gosh, it's like two days in a row I'm giving the Titans so much credit. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, is this ESPN Nashville all of a sudden? I like it, man. I really, I actually hate it. But uh, with that being said, though, listen, Vrabel's done a great job because he's getting his guys to buy into what he's all about. And that's one of the most important jobs as a head coach in the NFL. It's getting your guys to buy in. Sure, everything's going great when you're winning games, but are those guys buying in during training camp? Back in 2017, you saw a team that, listen, training camp was rough, and they seemed to buy in a little bit. Well, that following year, guys didn't really want to buy in that much anymore, right? They're off to a good start. They start losing, and guys stop buying in. So, to me, that's like one of the ultimate jobs of the NFL head coach is to get your players to buy in. And Vrabel, having been a former player himself, coming from great organizations, obviously like um, you know like the Patriots, having worked with Belichick a little bit, it shows you that he understands the culture and he understands how to make his guys buy in. Are they the most talented roster in the NFL? Probably not. Probably not even close. But that doesn't matter when you got guys buying in. Yeah, well, they think they are the most talented roster in the NFL right now. And that's even more well, good, powerful than good what for paper them. says, yeah. right? Yep. yep. So uh, that's what's happened in Tennessee. All right, when we come back, uh, a little more investigation on this very topic. And we have the QB report card coming up as well. Second-year QBs, will anybody get a check mark? Oh, I think someone's going to get one. Anybody get a check mark? Are we check counting mark. rush yardage, too? Yeah, I think someone's getting one. Uh, Daniel Jones outrushed your guy. <laughs> yeah. hey, Daniel Jones, how is he still being on the list right now? Uh, we'll be back. Do that guy a favor and get rid of him. <laughs> Live from Stream Song Resort. The two things that pop out to me about him are his accuracy, being able to throw with anticipation. And, and those two things, uh, especially the anticipation part, is something that guys usually come into the league and have to learn and figure out, and he does he does a great job of that. So that's, those are the two things that have really popped out to me so far. And then you know the other thing is just his willingness to work and his willingness to ask questions, just his overall personality and how people tend to gravitate towards him because of the guy that he is uh, off the field. Uh, I'm gonna guess Fitzpatrick on Tua. That's right. Yeah, baby. Got any more brain busters, Coos? Yeah, baby. Got any more brain busters? Brent Martineau here at Stream Song Resort. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Stuart and I are here at Stream Song for the next couple of days. A fall pilgrimage that we make to uh, Bowling Green, Florida. Did you know there was a Bowling Green, Florida? I had no idea. I've been to Bowling Green, Ohio, but not Florida. Yeah, and there's Bowling Green, Kentucky, right? Yep, correct. Uh, and... I didn't know Bowling Green existed until this place existed, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's in Polk County. Uh, Stuart wanted me to ask you guys, do you know what Fortune 500 company is uh, based in Polk County? Um, One you probably visit very often. What Fortune 500 company is based? So, like, it was created Head, there? Or it was yeah, headquarters. headquarters. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Polk County, Florida. Uh, five guys? <laughs> 
Fortune 500. I don't know, man. This isn't business radio. Uh, that's okay. Chipotle? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the answer a little bit later. You guys think a little more about I, it. Hey, Go ahead. Hey, you got to guess. Are you hey, looking it up? Hey, you know, no, don't don't hey, no, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to ask it. What does Fortune 500 company mean? Um, like one of the biggest companies there there are. And Five Guys isn't a big company? No. Not that big. I can't imagine uh, Five Guys a Fortune 500 company. No. Uh, You you better pray. I I Google Five Guys Fortune 500 company (laughs) and nothing pops up. Because if it does, you are in so much trouble. Uh, Yeah, well, I'm far enough away. Uh, Let's get to Sean, I think it is, on the line uh, this time. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Do you know the answer? What, what, I, I, I was going to guess Publix. Hey, there it is. Oh, you got it. Nice job, Sean. Uh, Sean, did you hit Google? No, actually, I've been, I've been sitting here watching you guys on TV. No, I've just been sitting here. Ah, <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, Stuart told me about that last night on the drive over, and it was Publix, and you got it right. Send that man a hat or something. What's up, Sean? What you got? Hey, I was just a question, just a curiosity question for you guys, based off your last interview that you guys just did. Uh, for a head coach and for a GM, um, and the only guy that comes to my mind, uh, top of my head, is John Gruden. But do you guys think it's better to go after like a GM or a coach who's been out of the league for a couple of years, who has a different perspective, who has time to sit back and analyze and see how the NFL has changed and how it's growing? That way you have a better understanding. Instead of going from a guy who maybe who's been in there and hasn't had a time off and maybe a little burnt out, if you will. That's, That's awesome. a good question, good question, Sean. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, uh I appreciate listening and watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. By the way, we got a roll call. Uh, we got one from Sean, by the way. He's over in the Tampa area, I think, uh, weeks back. But we got a roll call from Western New York, didn't we, uh, Coos? Yep, Western New York said they're a Jags fan, too. There we go. Uh, I love it. Jags fan from Western New York. No specifics on that, huh? We're in Western New York. No, but just in okay. Western. Uh, anyway, the... Hey, Austin, yep. the way I answer Sean's question is I don't like what's happening in Dallas. <laughs> and, and that's a guy that was out of the league for a little bit, yeah. not a long time. I, I think Sean's saying, hey, maybe a little bit longer. My problem with a guy that might be out of the league, and GMs, you don't have to worry about this as much, but I just feel like the players have changed. The connectivity with the player, has that person missed that as well? See, it all depends about this. I mean, coaches can do a lot of things. If I'm looking for a coach, Brent, I'm looking for a coach that can build the culture, right? I think it's more of a coordinator's job, unless you come from like the Big 12, it's a coordinator's job to kind of see where the game is at now in terms of passing, and obviously defensive coordinators see where the game is right now on defense. Like, you can go a lot of avenues on this, right? But if if I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to a meeting uh, to try to apply for a job, I'm going to say, you know what? Top priority, rebuilding the culture. We'll take care of the offense and defense eventually, but we have to rebuild this culture first. Don't you – here's the deal. Young hotshot, GM, coach, whatever position, young hotshot or older retread, even if he's been in the game or out of the game for a while, which would you rather go? It depends. If the young hotshot's very quarterback-friendly and offensive-oriented, well, that's where the future's going to go, I feel like. If not – because even like Matt Rule wasn't really that kind of guy. I probably would have went somebody else besides Matt Rule. So then go ahead and give me like the old veteran, kind of like a Ron Rivera or something like that. That's interesting. I take think totally different. If you're just going to put, put it in that category alone, which I know that's not the way it gets done, I'll take the young, fresh blood, innovative, looking forward rather than looking backward yeah. any day of the week and twice on Sunday. When we come back, QB report card. Plus, did they are they playing two or two early? 
We'll have more on that from Stream Song Resort here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.